0: Good Film Podcast!
1: Welcome to a podcast about the only two genres of film that matter, action and horror. I'm your host Jesse, with me as always, my brost face Josh, this is the Bloody Good Film Podcast and today we are talking a horror classic, but the newest entry, we're talking the 2022 Scream.
0: Yeah, and uh, we've kind of already gone like negative on screen, especially in the first episode. Over time, I think I've eased up on how mean I want to be to most movies. Saying <laughs> this right after <laughs> Matrix Resurrections, so like I honestly I did try to come into this with an open mind. I, I really did. When we get into it, I'll like go front forward with like some positive aspects of this movie, so it's not just <laughs> like I don't want to be the grumpy old man. Back in my day, movies did this, even though the good ones are before my day. But uh, I don't want to be the overly negative person all the fucking time. But before we even go into that, we need to do some housekeeping because uh, there was a pretty egregious fucking Dumb thing that you I've said I'm not gonna go negative, but I don't talk about the movie. About my friend Jesse, I'm allowed to be as negative as I fucking want. You said some pretty fucking stupid things in the last Matrix episode, <laughs> like about Smith smithing up a fucking bird. I just reviewed it. We we turned on the recording for the podcast. So I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot to review it. So I reviewed it while we were recording and I saw no fucking bird getting smithed in that fucking park scene.
1: I do want to confirm before I say that I was wrong, that there was a bird in that scene. So I wasn't totally off base.
0: There was a bird in that scene. There also was like a person in that scene, but the person didn't turn into a smith either.
1: <laughs> so yes, I would like to announce that I was wrong. That bird did stay a bird. It did not turn into a smith or an agent.
0: Yeah, because they, they talk about how programs are in charge of those things they did not say a program was a fucking bird it'd be like if the last scene in uh revolutions they just had a giant smith because he smithed up the building or
1: something yeah that would have been awesome actually it would
0: have <laughs> if they had done that i would have approved i would have been birds are possible to smith up but <laughs> th- there has been no evidence of that in the movies so okay just wanted to get that out of the was way a goof.
1: i'll admit my goof
0: Goose happens sometimes, a dog is a cat, or a cat is a dog. Like, <laughs> shit happens. But uh, we saw some things that we wanted to recommend for you guys that are, at least have caught our eyes. We can't necessarily recommend them all, although I think you, let's have you start out with something you've actually watched and can recommend.
1: So, one thing that I want to talk about is the new Netflix series, Archive 81. I was stranded at the airport and flying back and forth between here and Nashville for a good bit of the last weekend.
0: It's why your episode was late last week.
1: Yeah, it's 100% why we ended up being a day late, blame Southwest Airlines. But it did give me a chance to just binge Archive 81, which is based off a podcast, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the whole premise behind this thing is that there's this guy that's whole job is to restore old VHS tapes and old video camera tapes and stuff like that. So he gets hired by this rich guy that's super sketchy. You don't know why he's sketchy, but you know there's something wrong. And he starts going through these old tapes from this apartment complex that burned down 25 years ago. So the whole thing's going back and forth between present day with this guy who's trying to figure out what's going on with these tapes to the actual footage that's almost a shot, like a found footage shot straight from the camera to actually being inside like the 25-year-old time frame. So like you're constantly like going back and forth between these different points of view, and it starts off pretty straightforward, and then as it progresses, like they find a cult,
0: like like a religious cult, not like, like a religious a, not cult, like, yeah, not like the cow or whatever, <laughs> not
1: like a little horse or something like that. No, they. Find- oh yeah,
0: that's what. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's my error. I'll admit it right here on the spot. <laughs> you can tell I don't work on a farm.
1: So they find a cult and, you know, the cult ends up not being religious based. It turns out this cult believes that there's multiple dimensions. So now you have this whole like weird multi-dimensional cult thing and it's pouring over between real life, the old footage and stuff like that. So it gets super wild, but the whole thing is just set in such a good atmosphere. Like half the movie is just this poor guy isolated in this room trying to figure out what's on these tapes and then going like to the old super creepy, super decrepit. Like it keeps you interested. The sound in it is great. Like I had my stereo headphones on and like they were chanting and doing all this weird stuff, dude. I was fully creeped out the whole time that I was watching it. So if you guys haven't yet, I definitely recommend it. It's really, really good. It's done by James Wan. He produced the whole thing. So Back to back, James Wands with me with *Malignant* and now this really, really good.
0: Maybe he's on a streak now. Maybe now that he's not like tied down to like a conjuring type thing, he's able to like spread his wings and do something a little bit more creative. Maybe what he's wanted to do is like more out there horror instead of just doing derivative, derivative similar things to what has been done in the past. <laughs> I can't say the fucking word. I know the word. It's just like my <laughs> mouth isn't fucking working. Insidious was cool. And then Conjuring seemed like a dumb version of Insidious to me. And then every Insidious sequel seemed like a dumb version of Insidious to me. <laughs> so like, And he kept repeating down that path. So it's, it's kind of cool that he's doing something different, doing something that's more fun and more out there. Even if I haven't seen this yet, I've heard great things about it. I'm definitely interested.
1: Yeah, I'm a sucker one for found footage and I'm a sucker for atmosphere. Like anytime you can suck me into your world, especially for something like this, it's like eight hour episodes. Like for eight hours, I was stuck in this atmosphere and, you know, it never once let up, which is, you know, tough to do. So definitely check it out.
0: Another movie, I think a lot of people have caught wind of this, but just in case you're like living in a box or you, you're you coming to us for your horror needs, <laughs> Studio Six Six Six. Looks pretty fucking awesome. And I'm not even a Foo Fighters fan. It's it's uh, the Foo Fighters horror movie, which very much seems to be inspired by Evil Dead, but more like the sequels where it's very much comedic. It's like Evil Dead, but with rock. Generic 90s rock band that's not very good, <laughs> but it, it's still Evil Dead with rock.
1: It looks like a lot of fun. Like the trailer is like all over the place. You can tell very clearly that they're not going to take it seriously. Like they're not trying to make this straight up horror movie. They want it to be just like a gory, campy, fun horror comedy. I think they're going to hit it. I, it could suck, but I think it'll be sucking in a fun way.
0: Yeah, I expect something kind of in the vein of uh, not so much Evil Dead, but in the ballpark of more My Name is Bruce, where it was very self-referential, not quite as great. I'm hoping the gore is raised up a little bit from where My Name is Bruce is, because uh, that movie had moments of greatness, but a lot of shittiness. And I want this to be better. Like, I'm not a Foo Fighters fan, but I, I'll even admit that Dave Grohl has great taste of music. Besides that, listen to Probot, don't listen to Foo Fighters. He has King Diamond and Lemmy on that. That's where you see that Dave Grohl actually seems like a cool person to hang around, despite the fact that I don't like Nirvana or Foo Fighters. But I'm surprised. He seems to be acting decently. You usually see bands when they act, they look like bands trying to act. it seems It doesn't seem real, but it seems like real for a movie kind of acting, which there is right. a difference.
1: Well, the thing with him, too, like if you listen to him talk about this movie, like you can tell he's really into horror and like he really cares about what they're doing. Like he says, you know, we just don't want to be a band that made a movie. He's like, we want to make a movie that was true to horror and some of like the movies that we loved and stuff like that. So hearing him talk about horror, like it makes me think that they really wanted this to be good.
0: Do You think he's throwing shade at Danzig and Kiss when he says that shit?
1: (laughs) I think 100% sounds like it. He's not here to cash a check like Kiss.
0: Well, Kiss is definitely there to cash the check. Another one we need to do eventually, and I saw this like way back in like 2006. Lordy has a movie, and I remember it being god awful. But I kind of want to revisit it to see if it's as bad as my memory. If you don't know Lordy, they're a band that dresses up like a bunch of monsters.
1: They're the ones that, from Eurovision, right?
0: Yeah, they won Eurovision. Hard won, rock
1: hallelujahs. You know, yeah, like that. hard rock hallelujahs. Yeah,
0: Woo! they're a fun band, not great live, or maybe they just weren't great when I saw them live. And maybe it was the fact that I saw them at, Daytime on Ozfest when all their pyrotechnics are like, if I squint, I can kind of see a little bit of fire happening. But <laughs> like, maybe you need to see him at night. Maybe you need to see him in the right venue. And maybe uh Mr. Lordy needs to get some stronger backup singers because he sounded weak as hell. But you no know, shit happens. Maybe going all gravelly all the time hurts your voice. This isn't a time to bash Lordy though. It was. <laughs> this is a time to say Studio Six 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 looks like fun. I heard about it. I thought it was going to be a shit looking movie. And I watched the trailer. I was like, oh. Okay, Dave Grohl, is, uh, he's won me over.
1: Yeah, he, it definitely looks like they're trying, and I, I think it's going to be good. I think it comes out, what, the end of February? Does it? Yeah, no, it's coming up here pretty soon.
0: We're going to have to try and squeeze that in into the schedule. We, we got so many guests coming up that it might be difficult. If we don't get it in theaters, we'll definitely get it like soon after it comes out on the Blu-ray or whatever, or streaming or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah, it's definitely got I'm going to streaming really quick written all over
0: it. Well, that's every movie now just like when we were younger release schedule was like the movie and then like some indeterminate time afterwards when you forgot the movie even existed then it would come out on video now it's just like the movie's gone and like a couple months later it's streaming on something
1: i kind of miss that i kind of miss like the delayed releases and then it being like oh man this movie's coming out on tuesday and then going to like target tuesday morning picking up your coffee the dvd and then bringing it back home you don't miss that you don't miss like, the physical collector's aspect of it? I, I
0: still buy movies. I'm just i I'm able to buy them faster now. The one thing I want to come back more is a commentary. Because I, I love listening to commentary tracks, especially like when they're in it, really into it, and when they're talking with more than one person. I kind of get bored at like the single-person commentary yeah. tracks because they seem to get bored of their own voice after a couple of minutes. I don't understand that personally. The <laughs> only reason why you're here is because other people feel that (laughs) when when they hear me talk but uh i want that to come back but yeah i I like instant gratification on this shit all right before we go into the movie there's one more thing i want to bring back i kind of let this fall by the wayside for a while because i fell off of uh i I very much slowed down my read on comics where i used to be like eight graphic novels or something like that a week to like maybe once a month for a little while so i'm getting back into it i can't remember everything that i've talked about on the podcast so if i go over something again Tough luck. I'm going to start posting whatever comic graphic novel that I mentioned on the podcast. I'm going to p- start posting it onto Instagram if you want to h- find out what I'm talking about. But the, the one of the ones that has stood out for me, and it's actually kind of like how John Carpenter had his End of the World trilogy. James the Fourth has his End of the World trilogy with three separate uh, graphic novels that kind of uh, had the End of the World come about in different ways. But I'm going to talk about the first one, which would, I guess would be the thing of this trilogy thing was before prince of darkness yeah the thing of this trilogy it's called mimetic which is just it's very much what it sounds like it's about a meme of a fucking sloth giving a, a thumbs up and somehow that gets like into people's brains where it's like all that they can fucking think about and then everybody that's gotten glimpse of this meme eventually starts like going weird and then they kind of form together in this blob of humanity and it's just like so fucking weird gross horror like i can't even like describe how like it probably took some some influence from akira or whatever but uh it's definitely weird body horror very gross stuff uh, James Tinian is known for writing like a uh, really strong uh, gay characters without making them feel like token characters. So that's something that, that I think stands out from him as He's bisexual. So that's probably why he's able to do it without making them seem like token characters. So I, I think he's, he's probably him and Jeff Lamar are probably my favorite comic book writers right now, but James Tinian knows how to do horror better than anybody. So, I'm gonna. If you're interested in that, I'm gonna put the name and, and the cover of it onto the onto the podcast Instagram. And if if you like me giving these recommendations, talk back to me. Talk to me about uh, any uh, graphic novel recommendations you want to hear about on the podcast. I'll read them if uh, if I'm able to get my hands on them.
1: Yeah, don't send them to me. You know that's definitely Josh's thing. I will. Try to check them out as Josh recommends them, just so I'm not totally inept when it comes to comics and graphic novels and stuff like that. I'm definitely open to it, so we'll have to see. Maybe you get some of these that catch my eye too.
0: I only do this like once a month. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force this on you people all the time. But I I do think like horror and action come in other other venues besides just movies, and I want to recommend other outlets to get your horror and action uh, fulfillment. All right. All that out of the way, now that I've done my reading rainbow segment, we can get into Scream 2022. Which is, the 2022 is what should have been the title, but I'm just naming it the year. 20 years after the events of the first film, a new set of ghost face killers are hacking up Woodsboro residents. Once again, leaning into the meta-ness that this franchise is known for. This entry lays into the legacy sequels as we find most of the people attacked have links to characters from them, mostly the first installment. The violence attracts the attention of all that remains of the original cast to the case where they handhold viewers into accepting this entry into this franchise while ushering in the new cast. Together, they will be able to find out. Uh, together, will they be able to find out who the killers are before they're stabbed? See, I wrote it up right and I can't read and talk at the same time.
1: (laughs) It's either you got to read and then not do the voice or you got to do the voice and just freestyle.
0: (laughs) There were a couple moments where I I intentionally changed my voice, but I forgot that I had put in to intentionally change my voice. I even highlighted (laughs) it for those parts. So it was like me backtracking to
1: it. Warning, warning, warning. Uh, Call spoiler alert before you say things like that.
0: I, I went into this with an open mind and I'll say the opening sequence, I actually really fucking loved the opening sequence of this movie. And I know I, I trash talked it on the uh, tales of Halloween episode that we did, but uh, they led into it a little bit more subtly than I, than I had thought. Like I just had thought it was going to be a, a comp- it, and it kind of is a retread of the Drew Barrymore scene from the first one, but updated with, with today's times and done fairly well which it being a legacy sequel it's got to be like doing uh uh callbacks to other films and because of the meta-ness that is scream it has to be doing it so like the fact that it was mirroring the first uh, scene from the first movie didn't bother me at all
1: yeah i was curious what you're gonna say about it because i remember when we saw the trailer like the original trailer is very much like a good majority of that scene and you're like oh this looks dumb i'm not gonna like it and then i was watching it and i was like this first scene's actually pretty good
0: it was a slower reveal in the movie than it was in the trailer which of course the trailer can't give you the whole fucking scene and but when she picks up the phone you automatically know who it is in that cuz the voice is very similar or maybe the same i don't know uh as as the other ones it's been a while since i've watched the other ones but it yeah, it's, 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 sounds ghostish enough, but he has he's coming off a little bit more jovial at first to try and uh, at, put her at ease, and just like the slow reveal into like going into horror movies, and of course, uh, because it's scream, they have to in this in this menace when they're talking about uh the the elevated horror in the way today's audience are. I I was fine with that because it felt like real conversation. Some some of my problems with the meta ness scream is it seems like they're going out of their way to make people say the meta shit, and it's not like people don't talk like this, and that does happen in this movie. But oh, I yeah. said I was gonna I said I was gonna come into it with uh, positive things, and the way they orchestrated it on this movie was fine, which I think meta is a dumb. Concept or not, meta meta horror. Elevated horror is a dumb concept. I love all horror, but putting elevated behind it or in front of it is so like all the snooty people that say they don't like horror can say like, I don't like horror. I like elevated horror. You like horror? You're down in the trenches with us. I don't fucking care
1: about Baba Duke. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I see. Yeah, elevated horror is definitely a thing, though. It like like the A twenty four to me is genuinely. Usually elevated horror like that's something that's on multiple levels that you know very few other horror movies in the genre hit so i mean uh, there is something there is like another echelon of i don't want to sound snooty or anything like that but there is like another echelon of you know higher thinking horror I
0: recognize that, but at the same time, I hate the fact that elevated horror seems to be putting it at a pedestal above it. It could be like more personal horrors where I I would put it because it it goes into things like like grieving and so all those fucking movies are about grieving. Find something else <laughs> to be elevated about. I would almost say it's more grieving horror where there's always a metaphor for something that they're grieving over, which is fine sometimes. Hereditary did it well. Uh, Baba Duke hit you over the head with it. I'm, I guess that's going to be the one movie that I hark on this movie because I, I can't I wait until like,
1: you do Babadook because it's like every other episode now you find a way to hate on Babadook.
0: Well, they mentioned it in this movie, so I have to, but uh, they eventually get past that point and start talking about Stab, which is kind of perfect that they did it because now we're going into legacy movies, which is what this movie is which is why it's called scream it's the only one that has a title that deserves to take on the original title because halloween that was fucking stupid they called flatliners <laughs> a reboot but i'm pretty sure that flatliners was a uh, recooling or whatever they're calling it because kiefer sutherland came back so flatliners did that was which right. is really dumb uh, i'm blanking on it but there were a bunch more that they list of just doing that requel. we're going to take the original name thing
1: yeah, they went on like on a whole monologue. I can't think of the girl's name, but she went on like a whole five minute monologue. The and like, sister. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, it's, it's a, a requel. You know, it's a legacy where they have to bring back the original characters. Otherwise people don't care. And it's just, it's very on the nose. And there's a few times in this movie where things are just a little too on the nose. And I know I'm going to get some flack because I said that I loved it in Matrix Resurrection. And a lot of the stuff that's going on there as far as the dialogue, definitely works its way into uh to this too but for some reason it ekes me just a little bit more in this than it did in uh Resurrections.
0: See, Resurrections had zero points where there was ever any subtlety in it. This actually like, I'm going to give it some, I'm going to give it its props. There were well done uh, meta callbacks into the the franchise, even though the whole idea of the stab stab franchise doesn't make any sense to me because those were released like a year after the original tragedy of the first movie and that'd be like if we had like a a big, horrible stabbing in our area and they decided to make like a fun franchise out of it like a year later i don't think that would be like maybe nicholas cage would do it he started in world trade center but i think most people would call that poor taste
1: 100%. You could not do something like that like after a tragedy and then be like, "Hey, let's make this fun franchise out of it." Like that's not going to fly nowadays.
0: So yeah, it is a little bit reaching for the madness, but because they set that up in the second movie, they they can reuse it and rehash uh, the me- the way the meta sequels would work in this movie and leading into the legacy sequel that this is. Like I'm giving it all the points I can. Another big point I want to give the lead character played by Melissa Barrera fantastic to look at like anytime i was com- complaining about the dialogue they'd give a close-up on her i'm like okay you keep speaking sweetie and then i'd like get annoyed with some other shit but uh, there were parts that were good but like the worst scene you were kind of talking about it uh was when they were at you find out that two of these characters were rel- related to randy like he was their uncle and uh that's the scene where they just go full-on scooby-doo with uh we're gonna use clues from other movies to figure <laughs> out this shit like Okay, this is supposed to be the real world. I understand that the movie franchise is is meta. This is something that's irked me in some of the other movies too. I There's a point where meta just gets fucking stupid, and they, yeah. this is where they just call out things that are done in horror movies, and then they do it. Which I think this is why I think meta is fucking lazy because it's like they pointed out this fucking thing. Like we're gonna go into spoilers, so anybody. Anybody who's listening, you probably know the drill by now. We're going to go into spoilers, so I'm about ready to reveal uh, one of the fucking Ghostface killers. And it like when we first meet Dewey, he says you you got to look at the boyfriend, and of course it ends up being the boyfriend. Well, yeah, fucking fantastic. I already figured that fucking out mostly because he's like the tallest fucking person in the cast. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be that. Even though there's some parts where it's, it's the other ghost face killer who I looked up her height and she's five foot two and she's still looming over, uh, over Dewey, who I looked up his height is 5'10. So she's, I guess she has like kiss uh, stand up, kiss fucking army boots or whatever, because she's really fucking tall in some of these scenes where it 100% has to be her beyond the ass. But whatever, maybe that's a scream thing to be meta and have the killer not match up with the casting or with the reveal.
1: You want to talk about, you know, attractiveness. You can't tell me that the other ghost face wasn't hot.
0: She kind of looked like I'm going to try to say I'm going to try to say this in the way that makes me sound at least. She's little, hot, Josh. She got let me, let hot let me,
1: at the end of the movie.
0: Quick, oh, hot. oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was going physically. I was going to say she looked like a flatter cat Denny's, but I was trying to say it, oh, in a, she, it made me sound less like a misogynist.
1: No, <laughs> that's side Was side that side. it?
0: Was that the right way to do it?
1: I, I don't think that was the right way to do it. But it's so funny because like she's definitely the smaller the two ghost face, And there's a few scenes where, you know, it's her. But she's still, like, overpowering, like, full-grown men with, like... she. There's one scene where, where she's fighting Dewey where he, she literally, like, judo flips him over the shoulder and, like, lifts him up to stab him. And I was like, um... <laughs>
0: Yeah, like the the physics of it don't make sense. I I want to I want to say like maybe that's the point. Like, that may, maybe that uh, they're being meta and the, and like if it's not coming from a narrative standpoint, like, and they're just like commenting on how this doesn't match up in maybe the previous entries, that's fine, whatever.
1: But it but it's still real life, and that, and that's the thing. Like, obviously, it's meta; it's supposed to be meta. But like well, the-, the this movie itself is supposed to be taken in real life, so the meta ness kind of gets in the way of the horror sometimes in that sense
0: oh yeah I'm, I'm trying to give them props on on setting out and doing what they were trying to do getting what they were trying to accomplish whether or not i like it obviously meta is a sticking point for me so I, i'm like i'm trying to give them props on doing what they wanted to do and i want people to understand i have a huge hang up on meta i think it's lazy fucking writing but i get it i understand what it's going for and like they start talking about uh how uh all these new legacy sequels have some kind of social commentary that they're talking about. In this case, the social commentary is, it's it heavily hinted it out when they mentioned that the Knives Out director directed the last, uh, stab eight, I think it was. Yeah. And that's Ryan Johnson who did, uh, the Last Jedi, which is a legacy franchise sequel or sequel franchise and was heavily hated, had toxic fandom. And this is dealing with their whole social commentary that they're having is on toxic fandom. So that's another reason for me not to come at it extremely hard is because they'd be like, you just played into our hands. You're being a toxic <laughs> asshole about this.
1: <laughs> you checked all their boxes. You were the reason that they went that direction. I tried to come into this with as much of an open mind as possible as I do with any movie that we watch. Like, obviously with franchises like this that are so iconic, I mean, it really is a benchmark for horror. It's one of those franchises. Um, It's not a franchise that I was particularly ever a really big fan of. So I did my very best when I sat down to watch this movie to separate this movie from everything else that I know in the franchise. One thing I think hurt me a little bit, though, is it's been a while since I've seen some of these screams. The sequels, especially, I've seen once and that's it. But like the original, it's been a long time since I've sat down in the original. So I know there were some callbacks and some little hints to stuff that I know that I missed that was probably more clever than I'm going to be able to give it credit for.
0: I would say 90% of this is callbacks to the original to my best memory. The only new one, and I had to double check because I didn't even remember that she was in the last one, was Marley Shelton's character, Hicks she was in the fourth movie other than that there's no relation they even make mention of the fact that nobody cares about uh any of the sequel characters so that the hicks (laughs) 13 reasons why boy uh, doesn't have anything to worry about because nobody gives a fuck about those they care only about the first one which they kind of emphasize by it's kind of funny because they tell him that he's the only one that doesn't need to worry about it and him and his mom are the only ones of the core group that are killed if i remember right because mm-hmm. of like you see the the two twins uh they they fucking survive at the end of the movie that randy's niece and nephew they're alive at the end of the movie and though it looks like they were killed like you see them getting carted away at the end and uh all and then the, the two killers don't count so like they're fine but marley shelton she gets killed and this is probably like her and her son's death were probably the only other scene in this movie that I thought were, was really well done mm-hmm. because uh, like he calls up Marley Sheldon, who's, who's now sheriff. I guess she was the deputy in the last movie. Ghostface calls, gets her all revved up, says that she's going to kill her baby boy. She comes rushing in and of course she's going to come in frantically. So the fact that Ghostface just pops out and stabs her really fucking hard and she practically ran into it. I kind of like that. That made a lot of fucking sense. It was actually a good, suspenseful sequence and they they even harken back to uh, psycho with a shot which i like they when they do mm-hmm. metaness with the shooting because they do the shower shot from psycho i'm like yeah that's how you do meta you don't spell it out for people you do it like uh, you do it with the camera work and shit like that
1: yeah, they say that, but they still spell it out for you, like just in case you didn't get it with the shot. We're gonna tell you, hey, have you ever seen Psycho? <laughs> and then she's like, Oh my God, yeah. he's in the shower.
0: Yeah, but that's different. That's that. <laughs> I, I'll give it because this whole uh, Ghostface killer, every single one, even from the first one, has been obsessed with horror movies. So that's mm-hmm. not being mad. The, it's when the the friends are looking for clues among themselves and trying to figure out who among them is going to be the killer. That's when it's getting too meta because you should not be basing your uh suspect list off of horror movies, but the horror movie killers or the killers can be obsessed with horror movies and make all those kinds of references. That's when it doesn't get in the way of narrative and it seems more or- organic.
1: And I love like right after that kill, like we get 13 reasons why who's you know setting up for sushi at the house. And, you know, he ends up getting stabbed by Ghostface, like through the neck. And it was like half in, half out, like cheek, neck. Like it looked really, really cool because it wasn't like a clean right down the middle. It was like a skin break that went like halfway out the side. Like it looked really cool. That was the coolest looking kill.
0: What I liked in that sequence, it was even before they got to the kill, was how much they play with horror movie fans' expectations, and they know that we know every
1: window. Yeah,
0: we know we know to look for that stuff, and it got to the point where it was ridiculous how many times they, they played up that angle. They even, I think there was even a point where there was laundry in the background that kind of was shaped like Ghostface, yeah. which they did in a couple different scenes. I'm like, I noticed that I like what they're doing there. That's clever. When it goes to the point of ridiculous on all those cliches, but it's from a narrative, from a narrative standpoint, instead of having just people say these fucking cliches, yeah. that that's works. when, that's when this movie shines. So like I, there there were points in this movie. I actually found myself like this could be the good scream sequel.
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. There's a few high points in this movie. Um, there's a lot of not high points, but it does hit a couple points that I was like, okay, I'm actually enjoying what's going on right now.
0: The fact that they, uh, overturned, we, we kind of skipped over and went into other things, but the fact that, uh, Jenna Ortega, i uh, can't remember her character's name, but, uh. I like that actress. I've seen her in The Babysitter. Well, uh, She survived the, the opening sequence, which is kind of a different thing that's ever happened in any of these franchises. There's usually the opening sequence is the person that gets killed. So when I saw her in the opening sequence, I'm like, We're, she's going to be in this for like five minutes. But the fact that she survived really turned it on its head, made, made things a little bit more interesting. She got to deal with the trauma a little bit. Like I actually liked it when her sister got in the room, she's all trying to be cool about everything like she she's hanging out around her friends and then she kind of breaks down when her sister just sits down with her by herself I'm like oh this is like actually a real moment like i thought she did a good acting in that i don't think her sister did any good acting but i don't care she's, she's beautiful <laughs> but uh jenna ortega did great acting in that sequence and, and i'm like oh, okay i'm like i'm in for this movie at this point
1: yeah and like i'm glad that she survived because then she's kind of like hurt the whole movie essentially. It's like when she's in the hospital, you know, when they run into Ghostface in the hospital scene, like she's in her wheelchair. It just adds like a nice little bit of suspense to a scene that probably wouldn't normally have been as suspenseful. Well,
0: especially like I, I like it. You can see the blood on her on wheelchair, like yeah. when she's moving it, like, yeah, that's fucking great. They had the cop uh, just throat slit, the gun's gone. Like, this is, I'm like, there's all good points here. And then I'm, I'm just going to say the movie falls apart for me when they start going into the legacy characters a little bit, that like up up until Dewey, I was actually enjoying this movie. And I know we skipped past the Dewey moment because the Dewey was already there by the time we're having the hospital kill scene. Dewey wasn't the worst of it. Honestly, he's my least favorite character of any of the screen movies, but he does better than the other two legacy characters in this movie. Yep. Because he he actually has some stakes. He actually uh, had some character growth. He's a little less, uh, uh, in your face annoying in this movie i still was uh, big fucking spoiler if, you, if you're still listening now i still like that he fucking died because it, I'm i saw so
1: excited
0: i saw four <laughs> other movies where he was obnoxious as hell so the getting him out of the way was fantastic although that woman could like he it, knowing who it was he could have just like shoved her gently on the forehead and she would have fallen <laughs> over like there's no way she's she's overpowering Dewey. I don't care that this is, a, this is like a grown older Dewey. There's not a chance.
1: Yeah, I will say his character is probably the strongest of the legacy characters. And, you know, that was my fear. I had two fears with this movie. One was that like this teeny bopper cast. I hate to call them that because they're all grown adults. But this younger cast was one just going to totally suck. It was going to feel like a WB drama type of thing which didn't happen, which I was actually pretty excited about. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I had that criticism from the trailer and the cast listing, and I didn't see that either. And Jenna Ortega is actually like 19 now, so she was probably like 18, 17 when this was filmed. So she actually looks like a teenager for a change in one of these movies. But go on, sorry to interrupt you.
1: Yeah, and then my other fear was that these legacy characters were just going to get in the way, try to steal the show, and then kind of make the movie fall flat. And that kind of happened a little bit. It doesn't bother me so much with Dewey because – you know, his character at least feels earned, like he's with the kids, he's figuring stuff out, he's trying to give advice, you know, then he comes full circle, tries to save him, finally dies. But like, the, the legacy characters that I have a problem with are Gale and Sydney, which, you know, Sydney shouldn't be a problem ever, you know, she's the whole reason we have this franchise, essentially.
0: She's the least developed of all of them in this movie.
1: Yeah, she just shows up just to be like, hey, we need you. We're rebooting Scream. You have to be on this. But she really doesn't do anything. And Gail really doesn't do anything either. They're just there because we need them because this is a requel.
0: And, and again, that that whole thing could be kind of meta. Because most of the time in these requels, they'll get somebody from the original cast and but they'll be almost like a token part where they don't really matter all that much they mattered a little bit more in this one than they have in other movies but i'll say like ghostbusters afterlife really did a, a did that kind of thing i'd say even the jurassic world franchise had jeff goldblum come in for two seconds uh like just just shit like that where they they get a cast member from the original that's supposed to get you excited about about it and then they'll have like two seconds and they didn't they kind of did enough to make it seem meta that Sidney barely mattered in this movie, but they gave her a little bit more for people that actually gave a shit about her character to like latch on to. So they, they went meta, but not so far to as to piss people off. I think people that like her, I, I honestly, I don't understand the Sydney hype.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not as big on her as a lot of other horror fans are. Um, one thing I want to say about the Dewey kill when he dies is <laughs> there's a super cheesy line that I love um you know they're fighting and they're going back and forth he shoves her off and shoots her and he thinks he's got her and he's like not today and then he goes back to the elevator and then he has like a moment he's like no i gotta shoot him in the head otherwise they always come back like they're zombies or something like that so he, he sends the kids down the elevator he goes back out and he takes a call at what is probably the worst time to ever take a call. Like he's in front of a murderer and he's getting ready to shoot her in the head. And his phone rings and he looks down at his phone and then gets stabbed. And then as he's dying, she goes, yes, today. <laughs> it
0: was so dumb. If he's a cop. He should know like when to be uh, safe with your gun. Like he should know that as an officer of how many fucking years he was a cop that you can shoot people pretty far away with guns and you don't need to be like right fucking next to them. <laughs> like I've, I've never shot a real gun in my life. And I know that I know like if, if, if the ghost face killer was slumped on the floor in front of me uh, on, across the room and I had a gun, I don't need to step any closer than I am right now. I could just shoot them fucking dead in the head right now and be perfectly fine. But I guess I, maybe that's playing on cliches and shit. It's stupid to me. but like, And any time there's something stupid in one of these movies, you can go, that's clever writing. They understand how people act in horror movies. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and that's something that I think the franchise as a whole kind of gets away with. Um, they can kind of get away with a little bit more because they were – so early on ready to embrace meta and tropes and cliches and stuff like that. So now like anytime people watch these movies and there's something wrong, you know, either with the writing or the narrative or something like that, they can go, well, it's on purpose. It's clearly meta. It's clearly what they're trying to make it off of. And I think that's, you know, a little bit of a cop out sometimes because there are stuff in all this franchise that, you know, it's a little much. You know, it's bad writing. There's no no meta-ness that's going to save it.
0: Well, see, I, I can take the dumbness of of uh, leaning too close to the killer as part of a cliche that they, they make fun of because they don't actually like address it they don't go this is the part th- or, or where they always get too close to the killer or at least they could have yeah. they could have said something like that earlier on in the movie it's just like hammered it in your face They're like why are they always going right up to next to the killer when the gun shoots and then do it would have done that in a later scene it was a masterpiece <laughs> fucking genius that's why meta's is lazy to me because all it does is lay out the groundwork and then somebody does it later on like yeah i get it i get it you've watched movies, you've noticed, you've noticed cliches happening and you're just going to commentate. You're going to just not going to say anything clever. You're just going to say what happens in the movie. And then it's going to be, and then it's going to be done later on the movie itself. You go, ah, I see what they did. They're so fucking clever with their (laughs) madness.
1: When did you find out who the killers were? Did you know before they were revealed?
0: I had Amber pretty much in the opening sequence because uh, I, I was like, there's no way that uh, they're just filming without her knowing about it. It very much seemed like uh, this is this was a way to set it up because Amber never fucking cared that the ghost face killer was outside of her house filming her. It was like she was so blase about the whole thing. I, I kind of had her right off the bat. And then, uh, right around, I dewey spelled it out for me on on the boyfriend
1: (laughs) he called it out
0: well he he called it out because i'm like it has to be it's either gonna be the twin brother who is really tall or it's gonna be dewey who is or or the boyfriend that's really tall it was and when dewey said that like oh of course they're gonna do that
1: i actually really liked richie the boyfriend like as a character like before he became the killer like i actually thought he was really funny like he had a lot of like just quippy moments and like his back and forth with uh sam and tara and stuff like that like his interactions felt very like genuine and i found him like a genuinely likable character
0: well i actually like him in the boys so it's it's uh, an actor one of a few actors in this movie that i'm somewhat of a fan of so he he already had some cool points on i think both him and jenna Ortega are the only two actors that i cared about from other things so they got cool points from me even though and this is a problem i have with every single scream movie is when they reveal themselves to the killer they start doing killer faces and killer tones and like no actor is able to do that in a convincing way i think it's stupid like even indiana jones temple of doom when he went bad guy for a scene was really fucking stupid just some people like turning evil when you're when you've done like a good persona of the entire movie i don't think a lot of actors know how to break out of it like it's too much whiplash in character. So it always comes off cheesy and he did it very cheesy. Amber was a little bit better at being evil, but she also didn't have as much character development. So the flip flop wasn't as bad, but I still fucking hate them giving their whole fucking, uh, uh, motive for thirty fucking minutes. When they've stabbed Sydney, they've shot Courtney Cox. Uh, they, every, everybody's been stabbed. The girlfriend uh, Sam has been stabbed. <laughs> everybody's been stabbed at this point. It's really fucking easy to kill them, but instead they're like ushering them to different rooms for some reason. They tie up Jenna Ortega. I guess they were like, "I made mean, you think your own sister was killer," despite the fact that she went through life saving surgery at the beginning of the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, e- even Stu and Billy they stabbed each other, but like not to the fucking death. <laughs> like that would that seem like an intentional like an intention to kill at the beginning of the movie there's no way that they're going to think that she's the killer she went through surgery the doctors would have to be faking her her surgery because of how fucked up she was. And like, yeah, we're fucking geniuses. We made you think the one person that can barely move is faking it to be the killer. And she got the whole hospital system behind it. Like, what the... He's supposed to be a fucking mastermind on this shit. And he thought that he could trick her into making her sister think that she's the killer. That was the dumbest fucking... So it would have been like the little girl... Five two versus Jenna Ortega, who's probably like five foot. Also, is killing all these people that are like way the fuck bigger than them because they had a uh, Matthew Lillard's brother or whatever <laughs> was uh, killed by the killer too. And so, like, and he's the big one, of the bigger people here. But yeah, you know, I guess uh, we're gonna have people that are dumb enough to believe that these little girls are are killing all these people, <laughs> like they don't get me wrong women you have power you can kill all the men you want i just think if you're that tiny you're not going to be able to get as much leverage as what we've seen in this movie that's all i'm saying women can do what you want power to you (laughs)
1: we're we're all for you we support you you can kill whoever you want but it's gonna be real difficult to judo flip people over you
0: yeah just if you're 5'2 and have no muscle mass i'm gonna question what you can do but like there are like if this was a sarah connor type woman i would like totally buy that she could be a killer but we didn't get a sarah connor here
1: i do kind of like the last sequence like they go to the party and you know they're having the party that's when they give us like their last like red herring where you think oh maybe it's the twin that's all into the horror movies and they're down in the basement and she's like how do you know i'm not the killer and she goes well because i'm the killer and she goes all dramatic and they're going through all these different things you can't do and then turns out she's not the killer i was watching
0: amber in that sequence to see if there was any because i actually watched it twice because i have a terrible fucking memory i was trying to watch to see if if she gave any giveaway and she doesn't it doesn't really seem like she's that scared, but I, I think it, it could be that she's just a bad actress or maybe she's pretending to be a bad actress. I don't know. But that's another scene where I noticed a ghost face laundry like thing in the background. So good on them. They do the callback to the first movie about uh going down the cellar and I'll be right back. They do that with the boyfriend, but you know, he's, he's a yeah. killer. So. Bo- bo- oh, both the killers went downstairs in the basement uh by themselves, actually, even though, well amber did it with somebody but she didn't know that somebody was following her so both of the killers i guess disobeyed the rules because they both felt safe i'm guessing i that right. might have been the intention
1: they knew that they could go down there by themselves and nothing bad was going to happen
0: <laughs> nothing bad well i don't think they ever came up with beers so something bad did happen
1: but <laughs> i i yeah
0: and the like the party sequence how long did it take you to realize that they were in sydney's house or the house was it sydney's house at the end or was it it was somebody's house from the first was, movie
1: yeah it was Stu's house wasn't it
0: i can't remember it was somebody's it was house, house from the first movie how long did it take you to realize that they were there
1: uh, until they spelled it out for me and said
0: as soon as soon as the boyfriend who uh, who didn't want to have sex because uh, she might be the killer. As soon as soon as he went outside and got stabbed up a bunch, I'm like, the fence, the house, this looks familiar to me. Oh, <laughs> I know where they're at.
1: Yeah, no, they spelled it out for me. Thank God. Thank God. You know, I make fun of them for spelling stuff out that doesn't need to be spelled out, but then they do stuff like that, and I go, you know, I appreciate you guys for spelling that out for me.
0: <laughs> well, see, that all made sense. That like the fact that the killer would lure them there, and the killer would would like do a welcome home Sydney or whatever that kind of shit that makes sense with them being uh horror fanatics and the killer always being a horror fanatic in all those movies that's what it's fine I, it's just the clues it's just when they're like uh, every single one of them's turning on each other because they've seen a bunch of horror movies and they're following horror movie logic on everything it's where i I can't fucking stand it so but uh i i I Thought that his his death was kind of dumb. The the boyfriend that turned out sexy just because it, it had to be Amber that killed him. And he's like this big muscular six foot ten guy or whatever, and she's <laughs> five foot, and she and he gets stabbed up really fucking good from like I thought he was on the football team, and he's he's getting tackled by this five foot girl. Like I don't know, I don't she's think he's gonna, the
1: football team. I don't think he's gonna make Farsi. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to see though like one of my favorite scenes is like after he gets stabbed he's like running away and he's like hiding behind the the wall or whatever and he's pulling out his phone and he's trying to unlock his phone with the the thumbprint and he can't do it because his thumb's all bloody and stuff like that so he can't open his phone because he's using the the thumbprint technology I thought that was so funny
0: it wasn't that he couldn't open the phone it wasn't that it was that he could couldn't turn off the tracking because they had mentioned that he wanted to use the, the tracking thing with his girlfriend earlier on in the movie. And that was a good setup that they, they had her turn that on when they had just had a fight and she's all upset that uh, he accused her of, of possibly being the killer. And so like that was good setup. I'll, I'll give him that. And his, his chasing was interesting. Doesn't make a whole <laughs> lot of sense,
1: but like uh, I'd imagine he could have gotten away. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. Son should be able to get away. there. That's who
0: that is. <laughs> yeah. Gooding Junior is short though, isn't he? He oh, looks, or at least he looks short. But uh,
1: he's five ten. Gooding Junior is a normal size.
0: Oh, he's as tall as me. They were still at a party. The party hadn't been emptied out yet at that point. So like, he was maybe like five. You could still hear people in the background. And he couldn't find help. Maybe if he like didn't try to be fucking macho about it, like I just got stabbed. But I don't want to. I don't want to call out for help because then I'll be a wuss. Like maybe somebody <laughs> would have noticed him. Like. They already I, know the killer's around. One of their friends was just killed. Mr. Uh, 13 Reasons Why was just killed. All, and what's interesting is they were all supposed to be friends, and nobody really seemed to give a shit about him dying.
1: Nope. No no one cared.
0: They were basically joking about, it. like, uh, his his sister was watching, apparently, a version of their uncle getting murdered, and she's just, like, joking about these fucking <laughs> movies. Like... <laughs> wow like I, I can understand maybe if like I, i'm guessing they were at age where they wouldn't have been close with randy at all so yeah. they can disassociate it from but they just had their friend their supposed friend get stabbed and are watching she's watching that shit and like okay they're all shitty people i don't know if she, <laughs> but she gets to live brother gets to live which i don't understand how like he should have been dead like his girlfriend found oh his girlfriend dies right she she doesn't yeah. get wheeled out she gets no, shot in not. the face. She doesn't even get stabbed. They they have to call the next stab movie Shoot Now.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, we uh, get our legacy characters. They're showing up to Barty all late because they're, they're trying to help out and save the day. And, you know, Amber comes out and she's pretending that she's been stabbed. And they look at each other and they go, oh, what do you think? What do you think? Nah, it seems fake. And then she just pulls out a gun and shoots Courtney Cox.
0: I just... Courtney Cox is so cavalier this entire movie. And it's so, like, so is Nev Campbell. Both of them don't feel like they're a part of this movie. They both feel like uh, they're playing a video game about the franchise. So they're (laughs) being real cavalier about it. Because, like, people have died. Her, uh, apparently, Courtney Cox's ex-husband has has died. And they're just, like, doing all these badass bitches lines. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't. This seemed weird and forced, like especially when Sydney meets Sam outside the hospital, and then like Courtney Cox, says, you gotta show some respect. She is the main character of this franchise. <laughs> yeah it seemed annoying. It seemed too on the ball Her character didn't, Her character seemed poorly written. Could be a legacy thing. It could be a meta thing on how that's usually how it's handled. Cause even though I like Ghostbusters afterlife, it really felt about the same way with, uh, with the legacy characters as she did. So like I can give him props. Maybe, maybe that's them being meta again. I still fucking hated it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it almost has to be because like the way she comes down, she's like, Hey, you need to show some respect. I'd be like, I've never met you before in my life. like, I know, yeah, I know who you are. I've heard of you, but like, you know, you have no impact on my life whatsoever.
0: Oh, yeah. It, it, it's just, it's just poorly written. And then Sydney's just poorly written. And like, both of them are just but they don't feel like there's any stakes to it. They hear that Dewey dies no. and they're sad for like a second, but and then there's, there's like do this for Dewey or whatever. We have to finish this for Dewey because I've been shot, but I'm going to be fine in a few seconds. I'm going to be acting like I've never been stabbed, shot every single <laughs> character. Like knife wounds are like, a, like when you stub your toe, it really hurts for like a second. And then like, you're better again. Like even our main <laughs> character, Sam gets stabbed when they does a reveal of the boyfriend being the killer. And uh, she's, she's good. Sam, she's again. been through a lot. <laughs> well, her, her, we didn't even reveal that her her father ended up being Skeet Ulrich from the first movie, yeah. and she has psycho visions of him older still, Just, but CGI'd a little bit. Like he, I, I guess it's supposed to be CGI'd younger, but he still doesn't look like a high schooler. But then again, no, he, he didn't, maybe he didn't look a high schooler in the first movie. So I, I guess it was. I, I'll have to see what Skeet Ulrich looks like now. He might be like a three hundred pound schlub, and it was like amazing CGI to make him younger. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't think that's the case. But like the whole thing where like she's having these visions of him and he's like leading her to where the knife on the ground is—is it's a little much.
0: Well, uh, some people thought that was like a ghost of Skeet rich No, no, that that's that's Billy Loomis being uh, a figment of her imagination. Because apparently, finding out that your father was a serial killer makes you see serial killers in your mind. But she's she's taking drugs drugs for it, so that's fine. Whatever, (laughs) I don't know. Like. I I, I, I don't watch a lot of serial killer documentaries. Do a lot of their kids have like hallucinations? Fuck! uh, Of uh, their fathers uh, hanging around doing like good guy stuff for some reason.
1: I, I don't think so. Uh, we watch a lot of True Crime and Serial Killers. Not once have I ever, like, watched a True Crime documentary, and they're like, yeah, and it's so weird. The daughter kept getting all these uh weird hallucinations of her dad, but instead of murdering him, he was doing nice people things. Like, no, I've, I've never heard of that before. He
0: still was better written than either Courtney Cox or uh, <laughs> Ned Campbell was in this movie. He didn't even do much. He he mostly just, like, looked kind of Johnny Deppish and, like, pointed at things and like said you're still having hallucinations and then Ghostface came in and shit. Like I don't know. That that was I think that was just so that they could have it rumored that Skeet Ulrich was gonna be in the casting. And I I guess they Jeff Goldblumed him from uh Lost World uh the Jurassic World and that he he really wasn't important in the movie, but they made him important.
1: Yeah, he was there. You knew he was there and that's all that matters. Yeah. And I love that Gail shot Amber which is my reference to why she was hot. Cause she shoots Amber after Amber had shot her like 10 minutes ago <laughs> and she falls back on the stove and just gets lit 100% fully ablaze.
0: Well, after they they had been trying to pin the murders on uh, Sam because of Skeet Ulrich is her father. And uh, they want to make it look like, Oh, she's, she's gone and followed in his footsteps as being the killer. And then they can make a good movie. Unlike the shitty stab sequel that came before, which when they showed the, the, little bit of the stab sequel on uh, the YouTube channel with like the metallic ghost face mask. And like, this is no, the movie yeah. that I want. This looks ridiculous. Ghost face has like a flamethrower or something. That's <laughs> the movie that I want, but I guess I want Ryan Johnson's uh, stab movie. <laughs> so like they said, they're going to pass the torch onto her. And that's when she gets lit on fire because it's the thing about legacy things is uh, they, they pass the torch and because they were setting them up for the kid, they were setting Sam up to be the killer so that, she could be one of the heroes that survived and she could be maybe the, the next Sydney in these movies, which isn't that kind of similar to how the next movie or the previous movie was Emma Roberts. I believe so. But I, I know they're trying to film for like, their whole thing is about correcting the sequels. And it's more about that than being the heroes, but they would, they weren't going to kill themselves. So obviously they're going to be the, the heroes in this new franchise, I guess.
1: <laughs> right. Uh,
0: it, it was better. It, uh, I, I hate them giving out their motives. I hate that uh they had that whole uh, the cripple girl got away and, and now she can do a phone call it's for you kinda of <laughs> shit. I I don't know. There's too many like the the heroes got it on the pro, on the against the antagonist in dumb ways and they're like all self-righteous about it, but like you're stabbed. They should have just you should already be dead. If 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 they had just pulled up on which they twisted on the knife. Mm-hmm. sam Sam got a knife twisted inside her and she's perfectly fine. Really in, in more ways than one. And <laughs> in the, in uh, this move at, at the sequence, I, I, she, that should be mortal, a mortal wound. When somebody's twisted inside you, that keeps the, that keeps the wound too far open to be like healed. She's walking around like nothing. She even does some sexy ass stabbing where she gets blood all over. Her. She looks so good covered in blood. Like, <laughs> I I think Carrie white just didn't embrace it. If Carrie white had embraced the the blood all over sexy, Carrie would have been a thing. This girl (laughs) understood, understood that blood on women could look sexy as it. Like if I'm ever getting killed and stabbed to death, I hope the person stabbing me looks as good as she did when she was stabbing up uh, her boyfriend in this scene. (laughs) Even even like, even I'll give this. There another good moment. I liked it when she wiped the, the blade clean.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a nice little touch.
0: Pretty fucking badass, sexy looking. I'm off for that. I think this is a movie that fans of the franchise are gonna are gonna like a little bit more than us. I, I like I, I definitely tried not to shit all over it and I think I did a pretty decent job of not like shit all over. I pointed out where there's good and where there's bad. It's just sloppy meta-ness for meta-ness sake. They should have done more like the YouTube channel. they should have done more like camera things like the psycho reference on the camera. they even did the exact shot. They should have done more shit like that instead of just having them spell out fucking everything. And fucking Duke sucks. And Jenna Ortega, if that was your real opinion, you have lost a fan.
1: <laughs> I will say, though, like, in my opinion, this is the best sequel. I It's been
0: too long since I've seen the other sequels to really judge it. Uh, I know I didn't like them. <laughs> well, last time I saw Scream 3, I did like it. But I liked the original Scream also. I, the only one at the time that I didn't like was Scream. Or was Scream 2, I mean.
1: Scream 4 is pretty bad
0: scream 4 was bad i did not like scream the last time i revisited it so i haven't watched it's been like the scream 2 and scream 3 were brand new when i last saw them so like i i don't remember them well enough to give an opinion on what the best is of the
1: franchise and what, what do you think like as far as scream goes like what do you think makes it such an iconic franchise like because it, it's up there with all the big franchises as one of like the benchmarks of horror it's definitely not the mask because
0: I hate the ghost face mask. It's the most... I know it's supposed to be just... Some, that's part of the point is it's not supposed to be great. But uh, what well, way to go. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's because people like to think that they're in on something that's clever. And this is enough to make it feel like it's a clever movie for some people. While it's really just saying shit and then doing shit. I don't... Like people... F- find meta clever for some reason. I've always found meta lazy. So if you if people like meta and they like commentary that's really base level in their movies, maybe they'll love this. I know I just made it sound like everybody that likes these movies are fucking idiots, but you've heard me talk. I'm a fucking <laughs> idiot too
1: it's just one of those things like i'm not a horror elitist by any chance like i love all types of horror good horror bad horror terrible horror and i'm not someone that like holds certain movies like to a certain extent like you can't say anything bad about this movie because you know at the end of the day everyone's got an opinion and that's what i like about horror is people can take whatever they want from whatever movies they get but i've just never really gotten scream like i don't know if i'm just missing something like It's never called to me, even when I was younger, like in the midst of Scream Mania, like when everyone was Halloween, they had the ghost face mask that had like the blood that would fill out. Like everyone was wearing those and stuff like that. Like I never really got it. And like the older I got, like I just I just don't understand like the lore. Like to me, there's no difference between Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Like movie wise, like movie for movie. They're both written
0: by Ken Williamson. That's why.
1: (laughs) but one of them has a huge benchmark. They both came out almost the exact same time. Like there's nothing that separates scream that makes it significantly better of a movie than I know what you did last summer. Other than the fact that it's embracing the madness of it all.
0: Yeah. Th- all all those movies from the nineties that I can't stand have that kind of thing. The, the, I know what we did last summer, urban legends, scream, all the same fucking movie to me. And it's just, it's, it's good entry hor- level horror because Scream was one of the earliest horror movies that I ever got into. I loved it when I was younger, when I was like, I think I was like 12 or 13 when I first saw Scream. And back then it was fantastic. But there was a certain point in my life where Power Rangers were the epitome of martial arts action. And then you go back to it and you realize, no, this is pretty fucking awful. And that's how I feel about Scream. <laughs> it, it, it's the Power Rangers of horror movies to me. But it's like. <laughs> I'm not saying that if you if you like Scream, you're not a horror fan. I'm not I'm not a gatekeeper like that. It's no, just no, not no. for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't think it's for me either. Like I appreciate what it's done for slashers. Like it really kind of I don't I don't want to say it revitalized slashers in the it 90s, did. but it definitely brought it to a broader audience.
0: It, it definitely did revitalize slashers because they were dying out. It's, it's why West uh, Wes Craven did the whole new nightmare thing. He tried to do, a, he tried to bring it back to life. Uh, like, Jason was fucking dying and like all these, all these slasher icons, like they tried to make new ones with shocker. They tried to do, make mm-hmm. new slasher icons. It wasn't holding. They needed a new voice. They went to the Dawson's Creek route and that became a big thing where they stopped even making cool posters. And now it was posters with who's, who's in the cast because Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell from big TV shows uh, and movies were, was a part of the cast and now that was a selling point instead of the killing it was who they can cast for all these movies so that's why you get uh i know what you did last summer with, with uh, jennifer love hewitt why you get the faculty with more another kevin williams script with uh, like josh Hartnett and, and shit like that they're banking off of stars instead of banking off a of horror i used to blame wes craven i know now i blame kevin <laughs> williamson for all these movies <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. Uh, so, like, we understand the importance. Like, we're not going to give high praise to this. I don't think either of us are going to give make they make this a bloody amazing film or something like that. But I think we do understand the importance that this had to horror and, like, that it is a big deal. There's something to it. You know, that makes it an iconic franchise, even though maybe it's not the franchise for us.
0: I, I was talking with uh, Mike from Buzzkill Podcast about Scream, and he uh, thinks that the reason why I didn't like this is because I didn't get it. But I I think that you, you can understand movies, get what they're going for. You can pat them on the back for accomplishing their goal of what they're going for and just not like it. And I, I hate I honestly I could have ranked this movie a little bit higher than I'm going to rank it if they didn't have to stick to the formula of uh the killers going on for the last half hour of the movie just giving all their motives and like spelling everything out for everybody i i hate that there are other things in the, earlier on in the movie that bugged me a little bit but that's the thing that's the craw in my side for all these movies is i hate killers explaining their motives it's why it's why michael myers became shit when they explained that uh the reason why he kills is because uh, he's part of uh, the cult of thorn made him kill his family which is why they like after six, they ignored all that shit and started over again. It, it as soon as you make too concrete a reason for why killers are doing what they're doing they're no longer scary they're no longer interesting and scream because it's always a new killer they they can't even do give us like an angel or something they <laughs> they always have to give us new motives and that's going to make it boring every single time i think if they had just stuck with somehow billy or or stew coming back every single movie they could have made it a, a more interesting mythology because they don't always have to like come up with a reason why it's coming back. they could even go into the ridiculous jason came back as a zombie at some point there could have been some commentary on Stu and billy coming back as like fucking zombies and it still would have been horror meta commentary for when a movie has jumped the shark only they're fucking zombies so they can't fucking spell out why they're doing everything they're doing now
1: <laughs> i mean let's not rule out the fact that uh david arquette might come back as dewey zombie
0: I hope not. Like I-, I give him credit for this movie, but like him being dead is is like the strongest point in this movie. Okay, we we've been rambling around this. Let's just get right into it. Jesse is Scream a bloody good film.
1: I kind of went back and forth on this one as far as what my ranking was going to be because there are things in this movie that I like. I will say the movie as a whole, I don't enjoy too too much, but there are a lot of parts in this movie where I actually like what's going on. The stabbing and the gore is actually pretty good. There's not a lot of it, but like the 13 Reasons Why Kid getting stabbed through the neck was pretty good. Even the shot and then getting lit on fire was pretty good. Like there's stuff that I like. I like the cast for the most part when you take away the legacies. I think they do a good job. I think if you would have taken the legacies out of it, which I know defeats the purpose of rebooting Scream, and I know that that's not something that they were going for, but if you take them out and give me just kind of like this teeny slasher, I think I would have enjoyed it more because I like the character interactions. I like I like Sam and Tara. I even like Richie the killer. Like there's stuff here that I like. It very much kind of felt like a Netflix slasher, like a Fear Street, or uh, there's someone inside your house and stuff like that. Like both those are better than this, but there's something here that drew me to the movie for at least kept my intention going. I I just don't like scream. The meta ness is fine. I got some laughs out of it. I like when they play on the tropes. I don't like when they spell tropes out for me. Like, I understand that's what you're trying to do. I know you want to be on the nose. I know that's why people love this franchise. Show me, don't tell me is my big thing with that. And that's a big problem I have with the original too, is they have to tell you that they're meta. They have to kind of narrate what's going on, and that's what's going on for this reason. So,
0: well, the problem is it's a legacy sequel where they have to commentary on a on a franchise that's all about commentary on the <laughs> franchise. So, the fact that they're being overly meta and commentary on it is something that they they wrote themselves into a corner twenty years ago, and they have to do that. So, like, it's something you complain about, but it has to be here.
1: Yeah, so I mean, they kind of lose me a little bit on that. I will say from just a solely, strictly movie standpoint, I enjoyed it to a certain extent. Um It's not great. I think the rest of the Scream sequels are worse from what I remember. So I'm going to m- label this my favorite Scream sequel by default, uh, which makes it, to me, a bloody okay film.
0: I think we're similar ballpark. I went into this completely expecting to be shitting all over and and I, yeah. I found like there were some points where I'm like, this is going to be a great movie. And then uh, they do something that I really fucking hated. And it might, it, I'll, I'll admit that there, there could be, this be like some prejudice that I can't get rid of because it's part of the screen franchise. And I hate what that did to horror. So like there are points, there are high points and maybe I'm, I'm um, hitting on the low points a little too hard, but this is a podcast where we're giving our thoughts and our feelings on it. And I can't get past the, my, the sticking points. And uh, as good as some of the movie was, I'm going to have to put it at, like, I'll give it slightly better than you. I'm going to give it a bloody okay plus (laughs) ranking. My rankings
1: (laughs) have just gone out the window. It used to just be bloody good, bloody great, and bloody bad. And, then like, the last, like, three or four months, it's just been, like, you know, bloody okay-ish plus minus.
0: This, this is a movie that if it was on TV, I wouldn't turn it off, but nobody yeah. has cable anymore. So that doesn't, that's not going to happen. And I'm getting rid of sling as soon as the Super Bowl is over. So it's definitely not going to happen by the time this movie is out, but, uh, yeah, perfectly fine. perfectly Okay. It's, it's inoffensive for the most part. And there, and there's good moments. Marley Shelton had a big thing on for her when I was younger, uh, again when she's getting stabbed maybe like the blood made her eyes look beautiful so like she, <laughs> i think i think maybe i have like this gave me like bloodlust i don't know <laughs> there are moments that i care for in this movie and like her and then sam doing the stabbing all bloodied up and looking sexy although marley Shelton's not doing the stabbing she's getting stabbed but uh she still looks good while it's happening good on her <laughs> not every not everybody can pull off a sexy death scene and she did just fine
1: yeah it's close you know it could have been a bloody good film it could have been just a one or two little tweaks and i think it could have snuck in a bloody good it just didn't quite get there they they took a left turn sometimes when they should have took a right turn
0: i'll go into this and say if you're a fan of the previous entries i think you'll like this one
1: you'll like it yeah definitely if you really like the scream franchise i think this will rank pretty high for you as far as the rest of the franchise goes
0: exactly all right jesse what are we talking about next week
1: all right, Josh, next week, you know, it's been a while. We haven't talked about Lambert. Nope. <laughs> I feel like Lambert was a big part of the early goings of our podcast. Even our feud with Buzzkill with the Lambert and Lambert. It's been too long since we've talked Lambert. So next week, we're going full classic Lambert. We're doing Highlander. And for this one, there can't only be one because we're going to do Highlander 2. The quickening. <laughs> the quickening and we're bringing on our very special guest Laura McGee one of our favorite guests I know one of everyone else's favorite guests too she's going to come on not doing skepticism not doing what she normally does she's just going to come on and talk lambe
0: which it's not difficult to do we we had ended up talking about we had done her last episode it, talking about how buzzkill was coming on to do uh, their land Bear episode she's like i wanted to do a land Bear episode so, so this has been in talks for a while this should be fun because this is a, a franchise that she specifically requested to be on instead of us forcing her to do something <laughs> shitty like fire in the sky i think it'll be a fun episode
1: oh yeah i'm excited i love highlander i think it'll be a blast to talk about and just hearing laura's perspective of it too along with ours is going to be a good time so Tune in next week as we do both the first two Highlander movies. All right. The beers are empty, which means this must be the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure you guys go and follow all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok, at Bloody Good Film Podcast. Make sure you guys follow. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast weekly. Helps us get some new listeners in here. Huge shout-out to Soul Grinder for our intro and outro. Make sure to follow them as well at Soul Official, at Merrill Gay, and a new add-on this year, make sure you check out our season two logo done by alvarium.art on Instagram for all your art needs. She's absolutely incredible. And remember,
0: keep it bloody, buddies.